Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is so fun and great to be here with you. I'm excited because uh, it's just an exciting time to be a part of what God is doing. And my hope is uh, that you are excited, at least a little bit excited, about what God is doing in and through us, God's church, that God has invited us to be a part of His kingdom and invited us to be a part of His kingdom-building activities so that together we can make a difference in the name of Jesus, so that together we can build God's kingdom, so that together we can advance God's kingdom and share love and grace with all those we encounter. Uh, That's one of the reasons why we're on this message series called The Best is Yet to Come, Uh, not because we expect someday in the distant future to be taken, whisked away by God, but because we can build God's kingdom right here and right now, that we can love people where they are. We can make a difference for Jesus Christ right now and experience the radical love, grace, and joy that comes from the process of building God's kingdom, from being invited to be a part of God's family, from living fully into the kingdom of God right now. So if you're new here, I just wanted to say welcome. We are excited that you are here with us. Uh, We want you to know that we recognize that we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus. And we want to invite you on a journey with us to grow in relationship with God, to grow in relationship with one another so that we can go in service to the rest of God's world, so that we can share love and grace, so that we can be God's hands and feet, so that we can care for God's people, which is all people, and and embrace them in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, service is one of those things that's kind of a hot hot ticket item now. I don't know if you have noticed, but uh, the service industries across America and maybe across the world, but in America specifically, are, are struggling because they're having a hard time finding people that will work in, in the service industries. Uh, the restaurant industry is the hardest hit. Fast food and restaurants are having to close at weird hours simply because they don't have enough workers. This is something that's not been uh, in existence. This hasn't been an issue for as long as I can remember, uh, and, and yet it's something that's going on now. I, I, I kind of get it, though, because working in the service industry is not the most pleasant experience ever. Uh, when I was uh, fresh out of the Navy, so I'd been out of the Navy about a year, uh, I moved to Hannibal, Missouri, uh, I, for those of you that know me, I'm not a super fan of Hannibal. Um, I just didn't have a great time there. Uh, I, I met Jesus there, so that was good. But most of the other experiences I had in Hannibal were just not so great. And I, I remember when I, when I first got out there, I was, uh, I was first a bartender, and then I was the manager of a restaurant. It was a Mexican restaurant in Hannibal, Missouri, named Poncho and Lefties. Um, yeah, great name, uh, horrible restaurant. Um, it was, I, so I grew up in Houston, Texas. And they have Mexican food, Tex-Mex, which is the uh, supreme version of Mexican food. Uh, And and this was supposed to be Tex-Mex. And honestly, what it was was 
uh, just a step above Taco Bell, but there was no Taco Bell around, and so it was the Mexican food place in town. There wasn't any other alternative, and it was right downtown, so all of the tourists would come in and, and, and eat at Poncho and Lefties, and uh, for me, I was just like, man, this food is not good. Uh, it wasn't, uh, their one saving grace wasn't the, the quality of food, it was the quantity of food. It was like, never, like massive servings of mediocre Mexican food. Um, so it was, it was crazy. And they don't, they're not open anymore, so I don't feel bad talking about them like this, but it was not great. Uh, it just wasn't great. Uh, but what, what really boggled my mind was the, the tourists when they would come into the restaurant, just the way that they treated us as people who worked in the restaurant. And even as the manager, I was still treated with disdain. And, and uh, I mean, it was just, to me, it was mind-boggling because I, I just never wanted to treat anybody that poorly. And yet what was going on was we were being treated awful. And, and so I, like, I remember specifically one night there was a guy and his family had come in. So two little kids and mom and dad. And, and dad is just reading the waitress a riot act. I mean, just really letting her have it. Um, just to the point where I, I went over there. I wasn't called over there because he never stopped yelling at her. Uh, to give her a moment. So I went over and I was like, hey, what's going on? And he looks at me and he says, are you the manager? And like, I was 23. And I was like, yes, sir, I'm the manager. Like, you know, I, I don't know much about anything at this point. And he starts yelling at me and says, this is the worst Mexican food ever. And in my head, I'm thinking, this is a Mexican restaurant in Hannibal, Missouri, where there is no other opportunity for Mexican food. And there is not a Mexican that has worked in this restaurant ever, or even one that came up with recipes. Of course it's bad. What do you expect from this place? And instead I was like, well, sir, how can I be of assistance? You know, I, like, I'm wide. I don't know what I'm trying to do other than trying to get this guy to stop yelling at people. And so I, I, you know, I, I remember back on there and I just look at the, the kids that were there and the dad yelling at people. And I was just like, what kind of a horrible example to your children? What kind of a horrible example to the people around you? You're being a poor human being. And that, that's, I struggle with that even to this day. And maybe it's because of the experiences I had there. I, I, I want to treat um, wait staff and waiters and waitresses and people in the service industry in particular better because I believe they deserve better. I mean, right now, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you go online, there are videos of people just being so angry at waitstaff, people throwing sodas back in the drive through window because it was the wrong soda. Instead of simply saying, oh, this is the wrong one. Can I, can I swap it out? Sorry for whatever misunderstanding happened. Or, or people throwing coffee at baristas. I mean, first, that's a travesty, a travesty because it's coffee. But throwing the coffee at, at baristas, people working in the service industry because the coffee was too hot or not hot enough, whatever the reason, they're just being venomous and angry. And it boggles my mind. It truly does. Uh, I, I know 
I know that you have probably seen this, that you have experienced it. My hope, and I mean this very seriously, is that you have not been a part of it, that it wasn't you that was doing the yes. Surely none of us would do that. Uh, but the problem is that, that it just, it happens. And I don't know if you realize this, but in the service industry, especially in restaurants, Sunday lunch is the most hated time of the week to work, which should be the opposite because there's a bunch of Christians out of church, fresh out of church, going to different restaurants. But here's the deal. Sunday lunches are the ones that have the people with the worst attitude, the highest expectations, and the poorest tipping. And in America, that's significant. The service industry as a whole, and I don't mean just in restaurants, but I mean as a whole, the service industry is treated like second-class citizens. Like they don't matter because they are here to serve us. Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, a servant isn't above his master. If we serve Jesus, who came to serve, then we are servants. We are servants of the God who serves. We are servants of the God who serves, sent in service into his world to serve others. I I, I want to invite you to a recognition that we, the church, are in the service industry. We should be the greatest of all the service industries because our God has sent us in service to do good works. That's what we talked about last week. In Ephesians 2.10, we read this, for we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork that God has created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This was our theme last week, the concept that we were trying to understand and and grasp and wrestle with, that we are called to do good works. We We are a people of service, sent in service to do good works which God has prepared for us. And last week we said, as our way of life, this is our way of life, should be to serve others. Uh, And the good news is the best is yet to come because of our service to others, that God includes us in the building of His kingdom and sends us out. And so we need to remember what it is that we are called to do, who it is that we are called to do it, and why, why we rejoice in the opportunity to share love and grace with others. Uh, There's a letter that Paul wrote. Uh, Paul was an apostle that met the resurrected Christ on the road while persecuting Christ's church and changed everything, changed his direction, changed uh, the course of the world because God got a hold of him. And so Paul writes a letter to one of the churches that he started in a place called Ephesus. And uh, he's reminding them He's reminding them of of who they used to be versus who they are. 
Um, and that, that reminder helps us to understand the, the joy that we have received in Christ and also the mission and ministry that Christ sends us in. It says this, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, he, he is writing this letter to Gentiles, uh, a Gentile community of faith that has faith in Jesus, but no longer are, does he consider them Gentiles. Now, they are part of the family of God. And so he says, I insist that you live and think differently than you did when you were just Gentiles. When you were outside of relationship with God, you didn't know any better, but now you are in a relationship with God, and you should know better. And he insists that they think differently, that God, that God is doing a work in them, and that they need to embrace that and not do their own thing, not stray away, not go their own way. He continues and says this, they, the Gentiles, are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. The ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They don't know God. They don't know any better. Their hearts are hard, not because God has made their hearts hard, but because they have hardened their hearts in all things that go in the direction of God. And, and he continues and says this, having lost all sensitivity to God, to the things that are righteous and holy, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. They have given themselves over to this world, to a pursuit of what feels good. Not what is good, not what is good for them, but whatever feels good, whatever motivates them, whatever stimulates them, whatever gives them uh, that fleeting moment of happiness. That's what they are pursuing. That's what they're after. No matter the cost, they are after that fleeting feeling of joy that they get for that moment when they have it. And we struggle with this all the time. It's, it's that chasing of, of what comes next, the desire in our hearts, not for God, but for the things of this world. And, and, and Paul is saying, hey, they live for what feels good, but you, you should not live in that same way. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now, we need to catch that. that. When you heard about Christ, great, and were taught in Him, not taught of Him, not taught just how to believe and how to live, but because the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you that Christ is teaching you from the inside out that this behavior should be innate. It should be a part of the new creation that God has made in you. You were taught the truth 
the truth of Christ, the truth of life, and the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to God and all things righteous. And you see now with different eyes, using a different mind, embracing a new life. Don't go back to the old ways. Don't pursue the things that were lost and broken to begin with. Instead, pursue God. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, the way you used to live as Gentiles apart from God, pursuing only the things of this world. You were taught to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To put on the new self. It's like clothing. You put on the new self and embrace the new life that God has given you. Don't return once again to the old way of life. Don't seek after the things that you used to seek after. Instead, seek after God. Allow God to make you new and to transform you from the inside out so that you can be of service to God's kingdom. The old life was broken and and confused, and the new life is perfected in the light of Jesus Christ. The old self was self-important. The new self serves others. The old self was greedy and stingy, but the new self is generous, even to a fault. The old self was prideful, but the new self puts others first. Friends, Christ came into the world to make the world better. Christ came into the world to make us different. And here's the deal. Jesus wants the world to be better, so he sends you. He sends you into the world to make a difference in the kingdom of God. He sends you to reach the people that only you can reach. He sends you to love the people that only can be loved and touched in your life. And he sends you because he has created you new so that you can serve. We serve a God who serves and sends us in service to the world so that by our service, by our love, we can share the grace and hope that we have received so that we can make the world a better place. Right here, right now, not waiting for some distant future where God returns and makes all things perfect, but instead perfecting each and every moment in the light of Jesus Christ right here and right now. And so how, how do we embrace this? How do we say, God, do this work in me so that I can serve the way you want me to do that? What, what, what does it look like to truly serve God? Remember, Jesus said he had come to seek and serve that which is lost. Let's take that as our roadmap. 
that we are here also to seek and serve that which is lost. We recognize that we serve a God of service. We recognize first and foremost that we serve a God of service. And it is because of that that we are sent in service. And so what do we do? We seek opportunities to serve others for Jesus. Not wait for a moment that may come, but instead pursue opportunities to serve others for Jesus. We seek after them, trying to find a way, hoping against hope that we can serve someone in this moment, in this day, serve others in the name of Jesus. And, and here's the final part, which has already been stated. We have to do the service. We serve others. So we recognize that we serve a God of service. We seek opportunities to serve, and then we carry out those opportunities so that we can serve others. And serving others isn't just serving those people we like, serving those people we care about, but instead serving the people outside of that group, specifically outside of that group. Jesus pursued the least and the lost. Jesus went to those that have been excommunicated from their communities, kicked out on the outside, on the fringe, sinners and broken people, people who were unclean, and he pursued them so that they could have relationship. And, and, and that's what we're called to do, serve the fringe, those on the outside of our comfort zone, those that are beyond what we would consider okay and normal people, those that need God more, and that God loves just as much as he loves each and every one of us. Friends, when we serve those on the fringe, we can make a difference in their lives, whether it is through the care kits that we have put together. If you're not familiar with this, we put together some bags on our service day where uh, it's got socks and nail clippers and toothbrush and toothpaste, things that are of need, uh, some snacks, those types of things. We encourage you to grab some of those. Those bags are always out, uh, available um, on the back uh, outside of the sanctuary. If you're not with us, you can build your own. Uh, it's just a, a bag that has some items in it that are necessities for people that don't have all the necessities they need. Uh, people that are standing on street corners with signs, people that need someone to care about them. And so we give care kits. And maybe that means just sitting and hearing a bit of their story. We care about those that are different from us. We care about those that are faithless, we serve those that are sinners because God serves those people just the way He has served us. Friends, the best is yet to come because God sends us. God has prepared the good works that we will do in the name of Jesus Christ. God prepares our hearts and our minds if we embrace the new life, putting on the new life like a new pair of clothes and loving others where they are. We can make a difference for the kingdom right here and right now, not some distant future, but in this moment, we can make a difference. In this moment, we can transform a life. In this moment, we can love someone who feels unlovable. In this moment, 
We can serve someone in the name of Jesus. We've been called to something bigger than ourselves. We've been called to serve. Let's get busy serving in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks for the gift we have in Jesus Christ, for the life you call us to and the hope we have in you. Help us, Father, to be your servants at all costs. Help us to embrace the new life that you have called us to, to embrace the love and hope that you offer to us, to, to celebrate that gift and to recognize that through that gift, we get to serve others. Not that we have to, but that we get to share in the life and love of Christ, that we get to share in the mission and ministry of our Father in heaven, that we get to build your kingdom right here and right now. So Father, prepare our hearts and our minds so that we may serve you and send us out in service to all the world. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, Amen.